As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, there's football being played on the field. Football things are happening in Cowboys Nation. John Michaud has been at the Star to witness it all. We'll get his report. According to our friends over at VesselFinder.com, Bravo Eugenia is out in Monaco. We'll talk about what Jerry Jones might have been up to out there at the end of the show. We got a lot to talk about here on this episode of About Them Cowboys. A lot of football to break down. Welcome in to the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent producing things behind the scenes and welcoming in two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We've got Father John Mishoda. We've got, of course, from the Ben and Skin Show, Kevin KT Turner. KT, I want to start off the show with a little story. So uh, we were, the wife and I, um, the parents took us to see Paul McCartney of the Beatles uh, when he played in Fort Worth over here by where we live at Dickey's Arena. The wife and I are, are going to the seats. The wife's like, I need to you know, cut in the ladies' room here, and I'm, I'm standing by myself. I walk around the corner, and I hear my name. And who is it? None other than Father John Mishoda in the concession line, out of nowhere, totally in the wild. Caught me by surprise. I hugged him. We chatted. It was, I, I man, it just makes my day every time. I an unexpected Mishoda sighting is is always the best. Yeah, man. I've uh, never seen Paul McCartney, and he's come here, I feel like, at least three, two or three times since mm-hmm. I've lived in Texas, and I and I, 
I don't know. It was one of those things. Uh, I was listening to the radio in the morning. They were talking about it on the ticket, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna see how you much tickets caught, are. Caught a whim. You're no, like, yeah, just go down there. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't even know how well it's gonna sound or whatever, you know. So, so when he came back this time, I'm like, how many more? Tu- I mean, this guy's the same age as Jerry Jones. I'm like, how many tours has this guy got left in him? <laughs> And Great so, comparison. you know, I took plenty of videos and I sent them to friends, stuff like that. And you can definitely hear like he doesn't sound obviously like Paul McCartney in his prime, but it still was badass. You know, as far as I, I, I mean, if you're not into the Beatles, you're not into Paul McCartney, you probably wouldn't have cared. But there's just I mean, thing did 36 songs and I was a fan of 28, 30 of them, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, regardless of whether you like them or not, I think, you know, my wife and I went, my parents invited us because it's like. You know, you just gotta say you saw him, kind of. Right. Thing. It's just right. really cool to say you saw him, and uh, and that's the man. I never expected that, especially in my side of town, John, in Fort Worth, for you to just pop up out of nowhere. <laughs> it was it was incredible. But uh, yeah, let's get into uh, his sightings, KT. Yeah, absolutely. I'm incredibly jealous, by the way, as I, uh, you know, I, I did kind of I did the same thing you did. I looked at the tickets and went, nah. <laughs> we get, forgive my voice. I'm a, I'm a little stopped up, but we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be all right. Uh, number one thing. This is not like at this point of the year, it's real hard to start power ranking Cowboys headlines. There's just a bunch of stuff, right? Um, but one thing that I did see uh, very quickly last week is when McCarthy's got to go to a press conference and he's got to respond to the media and say something to to the extent of why didn't uh, Tyron Smith? Uh, why wasn't he out there at OTAs? Which, you know, it's OTAs. To, to me, I'm almost like the less Tyron does, the better at this point in his career. But when he uh, gets very specific and says lower back tightness, I immediately go, oh, God. Oh, God, no. Um, what? Anything serious there? What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And, and when he said that, there's a lot of different avenues you can take when you're asked that question. You can just say, oh, we're just, you know, just giving him some rest, even though it is the first week of OTAs, uh, you know, but he was honest about it. And, but with anything with back and neck, when you're talking about Tyron Smith, that's going to be a big deal. And so you could tell even from when you tweet it out right when he says it, you can just see the fans' response that everyone's got pretty much the same feeling that that you just said, KT. So, yeah, it has to be of concern. I mean, that's you, that factors into why they drafted Tyler Smith. You know, I don't think that they want Tyler Smith to be their left tackle in 2022. But the Tyler Smith pick or taking an offensive tackle at any point early in this draft was because of Tyron Smith, because yeah, when he's healthy, you know, throughout his career, he's been great, but we're now getting down a path here where it's every year there's something. And when it's neck and backs, that stuff generally doesn't just all of a sudden get better on its own, regardless of position. So yeah, I'm glad you started with that because for us to sit there and watch an hour and a half, whatever, two hours of practice and, uh, you know, get to, you know, go and talk in the locker room. And then McCarthy's at the very end of it. And I still felt like after all of it, the Tyron Smith stuff was the thing that stood out most to me too. Yeah. And, and then with, with Tyler Smith, while we're there, of course he was second team. Now I know it doesn't matter at this point in the year, but it's still noteworthy. You see your tweets like Connor McGovern, I have to wonder, like, what Connor McGovern, like, what's going on in his head? Like, I mean, it's now or never. I feel like he's the cowboy that's been on the roster the longest that I know the least about, both personally and on the field. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't read too much into that first OTA practice just because, generally speaking, they're, they do that with rookies where they don't have them necessarily with the ones just because – 
what you're doing in those OTA, especially the first week, is kind of getting acclimated the young guys to, hey, this is kind of how we do things. The the practice is structured somewhat similarly to the way they do practices in the offseason and during the season. So um, I think it's one of those, like, let's just not put too much on his plate right away. Uh, and they want him to be left guard, right? You know, they want him to be their starting left guard. And they want to see him kind of ascend to that. I don't think they just want to give him the job. They want him to kind of probably earn it, even though we all are kind of like, okay, you took him in the first round. You took him to 24. You're going to be, this is going to be a starter for you. You would hope, uh, unless Connor McGovern is just amazing in, in training camp and in the preseason. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting. Uh, but again, having, not having, uh, Tyron Smith next to him stood out a little bit more. And then the fact that Matt Willetsko was the left tackle and not Josh Ball was kind of interesting as well, because you would think that Josh Ball basically got this red shirt year. He'd be the next guy up, but Josh Ball was actually working with the twos at the right tackle. So it kind of, again, reading a little too early into this, it looks like the way they're going to structure it is they want Tyron Smith as the with the ones. Well, let's go with the twos at left tackle, at right tackle, Terrence Steele with the ones, Josh Ball with the twos, and then kind of go from there. Uh, you know, but I don't think as much as they would like Tyler Smith to be their left tackle of the future. I don't think that they're going to be throwing him out there very much, even in training. I think they want him to kind of focus on left guard, get this thing down, get better at that, and then we'll move from there. So um, there's, there's this happens probably a lot more than what you hear about. But like when you hear about it, I think it's interesting. I liked in your article that you put up a few days ago um, that the Cowboys had actually talked to Dak about calling up some wide receiver prospects. Basically saying, and this this confirms what we've kind of always known about the Cowboys, like how they roadmap the draft a little bit and kind of go, oh, there's one of the positions we're definitely going to take, although a lot of teams do that. But uh, I like that you put that uh, in your article, you talked about Dak you know, reaching out to some uh, wide receiver uh, prospects uh, in the draft. You know, obviously, they end up with Jalen Tolbert in the third round. We'll talk about him a little bit in a second. Yeah, so hey, props to Jane Slater of the NFL Network because we were uh, done with kind of the group thing because – so this is, we're finally allowed back into locker room. And so the locker room's open, f- you know, for about 30 minutes. And while that's going on, though, they're bringing players to the outside. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know, Dak was talking on the outside. And then by, you know, in between them, you know, we're grabbing C.D. Lamb inside. You're trying to get as much as you can because it's the first time talking to a lot of these guys. But when Dak was done talking in the group, Jane started asking him about that because, you know, that became kind of a talking point after Jalen Tolbert was drafted. And Jalen's like, yeah, I kind of had an idea because I talked to Dak, you know, the week before. And I was like, man, that seems, you know, I'm, basically Jalen Tolbert made it sound like it's not like I heard from anybody else's franchise quarterbacks, you know, so it kind of <laughs> gave him a heads up on that. So Jane asked Dak about like, you know, basically the organization having, you know, the, the confidence in him to, you know, hey, we, you know, we want to hear what you say about it. And, and that meant a lot to him. And, uh, you know, then it was obviously the follow-up was about, well, what other wide receivers did you reach out to? And he couldn't remember all of them, but he said there were several, but the one that he, he did say, he said, well, one of them was the Baylor kid, the fast one. And so that was Tyquan Thornton. He ran the fastest 40, uh, at the combine. Um, and, uh, but it there was a follow-up about the Ohio state wide receivers, obviously, you know, Wilson and Alave and Dak joked that he was basically like, yeah, you know. We weren't we weren't getting any of them, so they didn't even really try and waste my time, you know, calling any of those guys. And he just like laughed about it or whatever. So, yeah, they had him talking to receivers. I just don't think they had him talking to anybody that went in the first round. It was probably guys like if you take Thornton. I think Thornton was he a third? He was uh, third. He was picked fifty. 
Pick 50. Okay, so second so round second pick. Round. Yeah. yeah, second round 50 overall to New England. So it was probably receivers they had in that second to third round, uh, you know, level or whatever like that. And so if you're thinking about second and third round level, I mean, I think Jalen Tolbert is in the mix with any of those guys, you know? I mean, obviously, if they, they take Tyquan Thornton, let's say, hypothetically speaking, they take him instead of Sam Williams in the second round. Let's say that's what would have happened. I, I'm sure people would have been pumped because, I don't know, when's the last time the Cowboys have had like a real speed demon wide receiver that you're just like, oh, this guy just goes, you know? Yeah, it's not even guys that like even uh, jump out at you. Like Devin Smith was like your right. tape take the top off the defense guy. And, I mean, Cedric Wilson. And, was, and you know what? Was, hey, and, and Devin Smith, fast. you know, it didn't it didn't work out, you know, in the he hasn't had the NFL career that many thought. But I mean, he was a late first round pick. So people obviously yeah. saw his speed and thought highly of him, too. I, Tavon Austin, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, but when you think about those guys, like it's almost like that role is kind of open. Um, in a way, if Jalen Tolbert can help out with that, uh, it's a little, it's a little bit of everyone. I don't think James Washington is that guy, right? So I mean, but there's a lot of if you want to have that guy. I mean, or, or, do we even have? Uh, now I'm having trouble going through it. Now who is behind those guys? Well, hold on here. You so you sit there and, and, and we just got done talking about Tyron Smith being not being out there. Well, also <laughs> Washington didn't go. He had a boot on his left foot. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jalen Tolbert didn't participate because, well, he was out there, but he was doing uh, resistance cords and things like that, which generally the work he was doing made me think it was some type of a soft tissue type thing. And they were probably just being extra precautious about it. But like, so you don't have those guys. So, you know, running with your ones are C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown and Simi Fahoku. Oh, so. boy. So I mean, yeah. Well, that's... you know, you'll get these uh you'll get these reps in time. This is where we go back to the it's May portion of uh yeah. of, the, of what's going on there. That sounds bad on paper. <laughs> and yeah. I know Cowboys Nation like it looks at the receiver, you know, we don't have Amari this year. Uh you know, that looks bad on paper, right? Why it looks so but, bad too is because they got to get acclimated with Dak. You know, you only have right. so much time in the offseason. You want these guys getting as many reps as possible cuz they're going to be meaningful in your passing game. But I am so excited about the ceiling of this receiver core. The, just the playmaking ability alone, I think, is increased. It might, you know, I think Amari might be a more consistent, you know, guy for Dak. But I think CD, when you have CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert, James Washington, these are good playmaking type of guys. And so I think it'll be a really dynamic receiving core this year i'm excited to see how it unfolds and i agree with you the only thing i'm saying about that though is like so you don't have those two out there obviously you don't have michael gallup out there and michael gallup is probably not going to be out there for the first few games of the season and so when you automatically see the start of otas you need the reps because here's the thing i agree with you on all of that like i do like the upside of that receiver group but the toughest part of this team's schedule is like the first five or six games. And you don't really know what you're going to have when those first five or six games with these guys right now. And, yeah. and here's the thing, like, yeah, you've got CeeDee Lamb, and obviously he's your number one in that. But here's the thing. CeeDee's going to have so much attention on him. He's going to have so many double teams on him because of he's their clear number one guy now. Like, that, that's he's going to be the guy that teams are trying to take away. It's, it's going to start with, when you face this Dallas Cowboys team, it's going to be number one thing, we're taking away CeeDee Lamb. Now, if your running game gets on track, obviously that helps it. But, like, they're not going to sit there and be like, okay, they're taking away CeeDee Lamb, we're going to dink and dunk with Dalton Schultz. 
you can get a drive like that. You can get a couple. You're not going to win a whole game by just doing that. You're going to have to find other ways to get other guys involved. And so that's where when people talk about like Amari being gone, well, this gives CD a chance to step up number one spot. Yeah, it also gives CD to get a lot more attention on him. Well, you know, one thing about CD Lamb, and so if you look at Amari Cooper's first two years, he had 155 total catches. And CD Lamb had 153 catches in his first two years. Like CD Lamb is ready for this. And when we draft a guy right there, he needs to be that guy. So I know, I know there was a lot of backlash from maybe what the Cowboys should have gotten more out of it. Um, and maybe they could have after Tyreek Hill went. And not that Amari Cooper's on that level, but after all the, the wide receiver trade movement happened, it seemed to happen kind of after the Cowboys. And the market almost got reset when Christian Kirk signed a deal with Jacksonville. And that's the, the big example that comes up. And you're like, just a fifth, huh? Ew, that's all you could get for that. But when you look at everything – it is very reliant on how quickly does Jalen Tolbert and to a certain extent James Washington get familiar with with Dak. Exactly what you're saying. Because we know what Noah Brown is. That's that's not going to change too much. Uh, I don't think we know what Simi Fahoko is. That would be unfair to say this early in his career. But there, there's a lot to be uh, uh, figured out with him. Um, but with James Washington, you are kind of counting him to – not in the same way, but kind of feel that Cedric Wilson role, a little wide receiver depth, be able to come in and step in if a guy's banged up and things like that, and in the first few games when Gallup's up. But how quickly is Tolbert going to get in? I mean, if Tolbert is 80% of what Michael Gallup has been, I think you'd be happy with that, with a third-round wide receiver, right? I mean, uh, I mean, there's a certain cutoff point where it's like, yeah, that's we kind of need more out of you, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of – it's hard to know. That's the thing is you always want these guys ready to go with the quarterback. But I don't know. Maybe we don't have those conversations with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. And we're having them with Dak. Is that me pulling something out of my butt there? Or are we – I mean, you kind of know what I'm saying? Because yeah. sometimes – some guys it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Wide receivers, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll trade Tyreek Hill. Uh, we'll figure it out. And then they bring in Juju, and I guess that's you know good enough. And I, I know that's – you know, high, higher caliber names than what we're dealing with here. But these are conversations that I – there's a little panic up in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Sorry to bring it back to the Packers like always, but there was a little panic when they didn't draft a guy, you know, and they still don't have – their wide, their number one wide receiver might be Alan Lazard. Like, so there's a little panic up there, but, like, I don't – I don't feel like it would be higher panic if we were running Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard – and Randall Cobb out as our wide receiver group because we did it in 2017. Yeah, and it didn't work, and, and that's why work. you went traded for Amari Cooper. No, I, no, there, I get that. I just, I'm more of one of these people where I, I kind of tying in with Kent said. I do believe if you give me a healthy Michael Gallup, a healthy Jalen Tolbert, a healthy James Washington, and a healthy Ceedee Lamb, that's a solid four receivers there. I feel good about. I just don't know where they're going to be early in the season, and there is also a part of me that thinks. Maybe if that's the case where they don't know, like they feel good about two of those guys, some maybe they go out and sign a Julio Jones on a cheap deal or something like that. I know he's 32, but obviously he has experience with Dan Quinn and he, Julio's Julio. You know that you can put him out there, and yeah, he's not going to be Julio five six years ago. But you know, maybe they maybe they have that on the back burner that hey, there's guys that we can go out there and sign for agency for the maybe the first few games if we need just somebody to go out there and catch some passes and things like that. But I just don't think that they want to do that right now because they don't want to add, let's say if you add a Jarvis Landry, even though he just recently signed, um, 
then it's like, okay, that guy could be a progress stopper to a, you know, a Jalen Tolbert, or then he's getting in the way of, of Michael Gallup or whatnot. And, and so maybe they don't want to do it because of that. But as we get closer to the season, if we know the top end of their schedule is tough like that, they, they obviously know that too. So if you're dealing with nagging injuries throughout training camp with Tolbert and Washington, like, I just feel like you got to go out and get a proven veteran receiver for at least the first, the beginning part of that season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. What do you guys think about, uh, Deshaun Jackson was a guy who can take the top off. Man. What? I'm not that interested. What about yeah. uh, talk about a veteran guy? Pretty reliable if he can stay healthy. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, that interests me. What's the age on, on those two guys? I don't have that in front of me. So Deshaun's 35. I just pulled it yeah, up. T.Y. Hilton 35. is 32. T. Yeah. So T.Y. And, and Julio are both 32. I don't know. I mean, that's still kind of old for wide receiver, but I feel a little bit more comfortable. That, like Deshaun Jackson, I just, I mean, yeah, he can still make a play here or there. I don't know. I guess I feel a little more comfortable with the other two, though. It's so hit or miss with Deshaun Jackson. See, I mean, right. I completely forgot that he <laughs> that's was playing I forgot football. That, I forgot he went back to Philadelphia in 2020. Yeah. All right, 2019 and 2020. I forgot he went back there. Um, yeah, he's definitely running on fumes. I mean, there there are a few, and there this is what they always talk about. Like, oh, there's still moves we can make, and maybe that's just convenient for Stephen Jones to say, but they can. Um, but you know, they they're gonna wait till the last minute. It's just how they roll. I I would love to have someone else. I'm not um, huge on Simi Fajoko as a wide receiver. Now on special teams, running up and down the field, I'm okay with that. But like, I'm not I'm not high high on him. I really like. You know, what about what Will had. Fuller? I like Malik I, Turner. I, I mean, I, I wanted to keep him around. Yeah. Will Fuller, though, you probably have to pay a little bit more. I mean, he's 28, and when he is healthy, I mean, he can take the top off of any defense. So, But he, you probably have to pay a little bit more for him, whereas if it was like a Julio Jones or Deshaun Jackson type thing, you're, you're those guys aren't going to have a ton of competition for them. So that would make a little bit more sense. There, There is a world where I'm kind of like, man, why is everyone freaking out about Will Fuller still? Like, how, hey, why should he cost more? He gets hurt every single True. year. But second-round pick recently. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I get that. But there's there's a part of me that's like, really? Um, is there is there any other wide receiver names that would be available that we're kind of seeing through well, out there? Well, I mean, Odell Beckham doesn't make sense to me because of the fact of he's going to probably miss beginning part of the season just like Michael Gallup. That's the name that I feel like about, people uh, – Manuel Sanders. Yeah, I like he's in that. Italy. Yeah, I'm all set on Cole, but uh, Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders is. I would do either 35, one of those guys. just like Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Well, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, brings in Danny a, Amendola, a, a, a kind 36. of thirty-six. Uh, Mohamed Sanu. I'm trying to go thirty-two and under. Is thirty-two? Sanu's done. Mohamed Sanu's thirty-two. There you go. Hmm. Tavon Austin, do anything for you? <laughs> no. You know what? Tavon Austin does less for me than Cole Beasley does. He made a few plays for um he made a few plays last year. I saw that DD Westbrook's working out for the Vikings. Yeah. He might end up might end up getting signed there. Um you know, he made a few plays f- over the last couple of years. Albert Wilson's interesting and there's your kind of speed guy too. I know it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but yeah. But you feel better about that than us than uh, Fahoku or oh my God, uh, yes. um, Noah Brown or one of the undrafted rookie free agents. And I get that Albert Wilson hasn't done much, you know, 
uh, in recent history. I'm not trying to, especially I think he had an Achilles thing a few years back to, to back in 20, but like there's kind of that Devin Smith role, even though he's smaller, you know, that thing we're talking about. I mean, he'd be more of the Tavon Austin type type role, but uh, yeah. So I figured out, I have no, no um, hesitancy at all though. Crowning, you know, CD lamb number one and, and, you know, seeing him make that jump into a 90 catch year. You know, if he could stay healthy, his ceiling is at his ceiling. He can get triple digit receptions, you know, depending on how they use him. And anything I keep coming back to with the Cowboys, it's so easy when time passes to just not think about it or maybe even uh, try to discard it from your memory just because of how it went. You know, there's a lot on this Cowboys team. If they take a – Hypothetical? No, I, I wouldn't say hypothetical. I would say it's a, a noticeable step back in talent this year, right? Well, where are some areas they could step forward? And I think one area is is with the play calling and coaching and Kellen Moore. And I think that's very important to what happens. I mean, uh, they were figured out <laughs> on the back half of last season offensively. They got figured out and to a certain extent – I don't like using the word exposed – but to a certain extent, he was kind of put on display, like here's how you beat the Cowboys, and they didn't get it figured out in time. And it's very important that you know teams don't just run it back here and then they're running the same type of defensive schemes and things that stopped us and the Cowboys still aren't exploding and aren't that you – know, I think it'd be crazy to think they'd be the number one offense again. Uh, they weren't the number one offense last year. That's what got them beat is their offense wasn't very good down the stretch. But, man – there's a lot on Kellen to kind of figuring out some of the scheme issues that, that gave the Cowboys problems. Yeah, and if the offensive line, if you felt stronger about that, I think you'd feel stronger about that question that you just asked. And I just don't know that there's just so many uncertainties right now in the offensive line. Tyron not, you know, already with a you know back soreness. Uh, not, and even if he didn't have that, how much are you counting on him during the regular season? Tyler Smith is a guy who, you know, it's all about projection of what he could be. And in, and those projections are for like uh, two years from now, three years from now. They're not really even this year, like a projection of what he's going to be in five months. It's projection of what he's going to be in two or three years. And then you got Tyler Biotish. I mean, this is a big year for him. I mean, if, if he doesn't prove that he's taking another step at center, you have to go another direction at that position. And so Terrence Steele and, and Zach Martin, it seems like you're in good shape on, on that right side, but that's not going to be enough to have a good offensive line. And they need to have a good offensive line to get the running back, the running game back on track to get Dak Prescott time to, to get the ball out to some of these receivers. So for me, I understand if people want to say it, it's, uh, it's Kellen Moore's number one for me, offensive lines one. And I probably put Kellen Moore number two, but cause I just feel like if the offensive line is, is solid, everything will kind of take care of itself. I agree that they've stepped back in personnel, You'd, you'd love to still have Cedric Wilson. You obviously love to still have Amari Cooper, but I do think there's enough pieces on offense at the skill positions that they can move the ball. But if the offensive line isn't a lot better than it was last year, I don't see any reason to believe that these skill positions are going to put up huge numbers. That uh, and this kind of takes me back to like what they did in the draft with Tyler Smith. That wasn't the most sexy thing by any means, but it could be very important to not only this year, but this roster moving forward in the next few years. I look at Sam Williams and what did Sam Williams get into much? Because there's, there will be, if Sam Williams doesn't hit, um, there will be kind of, or if he doesn't contribute quite a bit, there will be a lot of 
chatter about, man, well, the Cowboys could have helped out their offensive line even more. They could have tried to get another weapon or, you know, they could have done some other things. And they took a, you know, a defensive end that ended up not playing much. You know, that that could be problematic for them as well. Well, and this draft will be judged by Tyler Smith, too, in the sense that they clearly were drafting for need when they took him. And when we've seen them recently draft for need early in drafts, you've seen them end up with Taco Charlton. You've seen them end up with Tristan Hill. And those haven't worked. And yeah. so, yes, those are on the defensive line. But this is a similar type pick where it's like, yeah, we, we see the upside in this kid. And he could end up going on and being one of the best offensive tackles in this draft class. But we drafted him because we really have a need there because of our offensive line has taken a step back. It, it, our offensive line has gotten older. We, we're trying to get it younger. And then also because of Tyron Smith, we're trying to find his heir apparent. So that was certainly a drafting for a need there. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I personally, though, I liked Sam Williams. And I, I like the pick. Once you lose Randy Gregory, that, that pick makes a lot of sense. I liked what they've done, too. I mean, they didn't take – Jordan Davis clearly, and I don't know how much Jordan Davis would have contributed. I, I'm, but the fact that they don't like totally value a one technique, but then they did bring in a guy a little bit later, uh, Ridgeway. Um, but one thing I kind of liked about, I think what you're going to see is like the guys who are going to be playing defensive end and they'll be bumping inside and things like that. And this is where like uh, I'm gonna say like a big it's, every year is a big year, right? But like Chauncey Golston and Oso Digizuwa, we'll really get a good chance to see what they did in last year's draft. We saw them flash a little this year. We're going to see these guys get core snaps on this defensive line and having Dan Quinn work with them. That gives you a little more encouragement than if they were just running the same old Cowboys scheme. Yeah, and, and I think that I like that they have a lot of bodies that they're throwing at the position that it seems yeah. like, you know, between Dorrance and then Demarcus Lawrence and then, you know, you got Sam Williams certainly looks this. I mean, seeing him at that first practice, I mean, he's as big, if not bigger, than Demarcus Lawrence, and he's known for his speed, so that's kind of intriguing. That was our first time seeing Dante Fowler. Like, you're kind of, you're like, okay, maybe not all these guys are going to hit, but maybe if just one of these other guys hits, then you're you're in good shape, you know? Uh, Demarcus Lawrence was talking about how, you know, he wants to get back to leading the team in sacks. I don't know if that can happen. I mean, he'd have to stay, one, he has to stay healthy the, all of season, and then the other part is just, I just don't know if it can happen because I think Micah Parsons is going to be used exactly how he was used last year and maybe even more rushing the passer on top. I mean, we saw a lot of that in that first OTA practice, but they were doing a lot of situations that were, you know, third down, you know, uh, two minute drill, stuff like that, when you're in these passing situations. So in a lot of those, you know, they're going to have Micah Parsons pin his ear back and go downhill, you know, makes sense and rush him from a variety of spots. So I would still say that I expect him to lead the team in sacks for the second year, but if Demarcus Lawrence can stay healthy, then obviously they're in good shape on the left end. So now it's about what are you going to get production-wise on the right end? And I feel like between a Dorrance Armstrong, a Dante Fowler, a Sam Williams, one, if not two of those guys should be able to produce at a level that you're like, okay, well, we, we're, we're not really feeling the missing of Randy Gregory as much as I thought we would, you know? But it's all about, like, how does Dante Fowler acclimate to this system, you know? This is his first year with the Cowboys. How Sam Williams acclimate to the NFL game? Is he going to hit the ground running? And 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 if so, like where does Dorrance Armstrong fit in there? You know, so they have the bodies to throw at, and and obviously there's going to be injuries and things like that. So I can see where they can make up for the loss of Randy Gregory at the right edge spot if if one of those guys at least steps up. You know what's wild is they are so equipped to handle an injury on the defensive line, yeah, and on the offensive line an injury 
would just be just be brutal. Especially it would just be it it would be especially attack. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. One thing I was thinking of a few things that we could talk about, though, that kind of are, are like optimistic because I know we've thrown out there casually a few times the look, the talent level has dropped a tad um, on this team. Uh, and you could name him Amari Cooper, uh, Lyle Collins, even. You know, there's a lot of names you could throw out there. Um, but what are some things, you know, that we, we should be, you know, optimistic about or excited about? I, I ain't number one. Um, uh, you were out there, John, so I'm moving around. I mean, we should be getting uh, Dak 100% plus 100%, right? <laughs> Dak 110%, even though that's not possible to be 110%. Absolutely, and that's a big part of it because of the fact that he wasn't healthy last year throughout this time. He was coming back from, obviously, the foot and ankle issue, and then he gets into training camp, and then he's got his issues with his throwing shoulder. And so he was. it, it was just very – 
there was not a time where I felt like he was 100%, and he is 100% right now, and he's obviously moving around well. The only negative with that is that he doesn't have these receivers that he needs to get on the same page with, you know, like obviously CD lamb and Dalton Schultz are out there and those are going to be his top two options, especially early in, in the year. But you got to develop these other guys. Cause those are going to be the guys getting the matchups that you're going to be able to take advantage of. It's going to be the Tolbert. It's going to be James Washington, you know, wh- who's defending them. Wh- how are these teams defending those guys? Cause those are the ones that are going to be getting the favorable matchups. So there's that. And then there's the one that, I know we're going to beat a dead horse with this, but it's like you see out there again where there's these formations where Zeke and Tony Pollard are on the field at the same time. And you're like, this has to finally be the year where Tony Pollard is used more in the passing game and has a bigger chunk. The one positive I will say about that, if you look at Tony Pollard's numbers, his usage, whether you're talking about touches as a running back or touches as a receiver, they have consistently gone up both his targets and, and his carries every single year he's been. So this should be a huge year for Tony Pollard. And I understand when I say that too, it's also a contract year. It's his final year of his rookie deal. So yeah, I'm sure people will be like, oh yeah, now he's going to blow up and leave. That's fine. Deal with that. Then go get another running back. But this is something that you need him to have a huge year for you. I, I really feel like he is an X factor for this team. As much as Zeke needs to have a big year and CD and, and Dalton Schultz and like Tony Pollard could be really the, the chess piece that like kind of takes this offense to someplace where you're like, damn, finally we've been waiting for this. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. You know, one thing I've thought about too a lot is like when you look around uh, the league at these teams who are kind of consistently in the playoffs, most of them do rely on two running backs. The thing they have in common is that they can catch the ball very well out of the backfield, right? But like I saw uh, this stat, this is on NFL.com. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um but he had uh, Tony had 6.4 yards per rush outside the tackles in 2021. That ranked second among backs who had gotten 50 attempts last year. So second in the league for running backs uh, on rushes outside the tackles. Right now, that is that is kind of telling, and it does tell you you know what we know about Tony Pollard, the kind of a, a little ex- more explosive and things like that. But this is where I kind of get in this world of like, when you start looking at, look at what the Chiefs have done the last few years. We know the Patriots dynasty. If you want to look at the Buccaneers in the last few years too, I mean, it'd be Fournette mainly, clearly. But they had games where Ronald Jones is, you know, getting the ball and, and, and running over people and things like that. It's okay. Like this whole thing of like Zeke is at number one and Tony Pollard is a backup, that can all go away. And it's okay. It's not a shot at anyone. The contracts have been done. They are what they are. The conversation just needs to be how can we use these guys to the best of what they can do to help the offense. And if if there's no figuring that out after last year, then it'll never be figured out. And then I'll know everything that I need to know about Kellen Moore at that point. Well, health or, is a big or, issue or, in this too because yes. it's. It, I can also see, let's say if Kellen Moore is on this podcast right now, he would be probably – pretty quick to mention the fact that Zeke had the knee issue since week four and Tony Pollard during the back half of the season had was dealing with the plantar fasciitis. So there's probably in his mind in the medical staff's mind, how much are we really going to be putting both these guys out there? Because we got to kind of limit both of their workloads because we need both of them. Whereas let's say hypothetically, they're both healthy. You can have them both out there. You're not worried about their usage as much. You're like, yeah, the guy's healthy. Let's let's keep them putting them both out there. Whereas when they're both dealing with injury, you're probably like, 
well, when we're using this guy, then this guy's got to be off the field because he's got to be getting his rest. We can't be running them both in the ground because then what do we have? You know, then who's our running back if that happens? Then you're then you're going out and you're signing somebody off the street. And so last year, obviously, that didn't work out well for them. So health is obviously a big part of this as well. Another team I want to throw out there is the Rams, too. Like Cam Akers got healthy. They threw him in there. But Sonny Michelle and Daryl Henderson were there. I'm, I'm in the – I get what you're saying about keeping them healthy. and It's all about – you know, uh, this year and all that stuff. But there's the other part of me is they're not going to be here after next year, most likely. Yeah. Um, so going up. forward, going forward, that should be your plan at running back. It should be that you have three guys that you can count on in terms of like, and, and, I, and when I say that, I mean, nobody is higher than at most a back end of the second round investment. I'm thinking more third, fourth round. Yeah. You got a couple of those guys in there and then you have like an undrafted free agent or a sixth round guy is like your third back. It might even be like a Rico Dowdle, you know, but that's your third back. And you can kind of count on all three of those guys as opposed to just like, we just, this is our workhorse. This is kind of our, more of our receiving back. And these guys are going to get the bulk of the uh, the touches. And roles are are very, um, you know, we always talk about roles and what they can do. Well, they can all catch. When, uh, pass protecting, we know Zeke is one of the best in the league at that still, right? So we, we, all, we all understand that. But, like, this is where I kind of get in that boat of, like, hey, man, what are we – why are we – dang it, someone's calling me. Sorry. Decline. Jesus. No, no, answer it. Let's see what it is. Turn that off. Let's ask him some questions. This is one of my cowboy experts. tell us at least who it was, KT. Yeah. Um, leave us hanging. Uh, Give us a hint. Bobby Belt. Oh, put, put, put him on. Block. <laughs> I'm not putting him on. Come on. No, um, so my point is the, the roles can be gone. We, these guys need to be running back biscuits this year, not roles. I don't understand. I've lost it and I'm loopy. All right. Um, hey, no. hold on, hold on. People talk about this a lot. So let me ask you a question that I haven't heard anybody ask up to this point, whether it be on social media, radio, TV talk. Um, what season... What type of season does Ezekiel Elliott need to have for us to be sitting here next year and saying, well, they have to keep Zeke? I mean, God, dude. Let's be realistic here. What does he, uh, what does he have to do? Man, that's I, tough. Don't say, some, don't say like 2,000 yards, but realistically speaking, what does he have to do? Um, 18 touchdowns, something like that. Average a touchdown a game for me. I mean, I could justify that. And if he's healthy, that could be a possibility. Now, what number I is he coming back at next I, year? I'm not saying I, I wouldn't be betting on that, but I'm saying that I could see that if he's healthy all season and things are going well. Yeah, he'll get those opportunities in the red zone. So, yeah, okay, that could potentially be a possibility. Our buddy Broadus used to always make the example of Tyrone Crawford. Everyone liked Tyrone Crawford till they found out what he got paid. Same thing with Zeke. I mean, Zeke, once Zeke got paid like that, and we we kind of know that smart franchises are probably not dumping out a ton of resources at running back. Now, resources can be different. I guess money, salary cap money. Resources can be different. You can spend a lot of draft picks on running backs and things like that. So for me, it would all come down to what number. But but your question is very interesting. It would take more than a thousand yard year and sure. you know ten touchdowns that he got on the goal line. You know. And I think it's more than numbers. I think it's stuff that you're going to have to just see. You're going to have right. to see him have the explosiveness that you've seen him have earlier in his career. You're going to, have to see him make moves and break tackles like you saw earlier in his career. Again, Convert I'm not saying these things are going to happen, yeah. but I believe there is something. If you did see those things, I could, 
I just feel like the reason I'm bringing this up is because so many people are just talking about, like, yeah, this is Zeke's last year. You know, there's no way that he's going to be able to do anything to uh, for that contract to be worth it. But the other thing is, too, is even another reason why you take away the stats is what if he is healthy all season and he plays well enough? He's in the rushing, you know, title conversation and they finally go deep into the playoffs. They go to the NFC championship game, you know, and he's a big reason for that. I don't know that they're going to be going in another direction if that was to happen. If he'll play for $4 million, he can come back in 2020. <laughs> he wants to be a cowboy for life, you know? I mean, like he, hey, he concessions or, have been made. DeMarcus Lawrence took a big pay cut, right? Concessions have been made. But even that is an interesting stay. point that you're making there because I there's a lot of people I feel like fan-wise that are just like, you just ripped the Band-Aid off at the end of the season. That's Would what there I, be a big market for Zeke if he doesn't have a great year, though? You know, well, not at not at his price point, no. Yeah, so Zeke can. Yeah, who's going to want it? Options. That's a good point. And, and this is not like a shot at him. This is this is what happens to running backs now, right? Especially right? ones this, with a physical running style like his. Twenty seven, especially, and, and also guys who got it a ton in college. Yeah, like Jonathan Taylor. This it's not going to work out well for him, right? Like that's that's it's just not, and it's it sucks that it has to be like that way. But it's what well, it the is. games change, you know. That, We've that, learned that's more about it, it yeah. But like, okay, Players so are the if same you, if, though, John, if you were How to so? keep Z, <laughs> it's just a saying. I don't know. Oh, Players, McGruber, come on, sorry. So what you're saying, John, is if, if he played well enough to keep him, mm-hmm. well, then you have a sick. Well, we'll round up a 17 million dollar cap hit on him in 2023. Yeah, we could do other things with that, don't you think? Right, but what if they go to the Super Bowl and he's a big reason why they went? He's not going to want to do anything with his contract, and I don't think that I don't think that you're going to care either because you're going to be just so happy that they went to the Super Bowl for the first time in 27 years. I think I know, I, or man, NFC Championship to, game. I'm trying to repeat, man. And uh, here's a question though that po- might that po- might affect I, the Zeke the Zeke uh, decision. How healthy is the offensive line going into next year? Do you have Tyron? Do you have Tyler Smith on a trajectory to be? you know, a solid starter for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, Well, that's... You gotta have an offensive line right. for well, Zeke no, they, to be successful. Yeah, they wouldn't get to the NFC Championship game right. without, but without I'm saying coming out of line. that, going right. into the next year, mm-hmm. is Tyron like, it was tough this year, we made it to the NFC title game, I'm out, you know? Yeah. Because you do have to reset your troops at the end right. of the offseason, you know? So if Zeke's a, uh, a decision that has to be made, I think the offensive line and what situation that is that offseason is going to play a lot into that. And granted, all these scenarios I'm throwing out there are unlikely. I'm just wondering what is the, you know, what would it take for you to be like, yeah, they got to bring him back, you know? And I really feel like he has to look like 2016, 2017 Zeke. And again, unlikely, but that's probably what it would take for them to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's just keep rolling with this. It's a good question. Man, it is. It is a good question. I mean, I guess, I mean, I, it would be the most cowboy thing ever to just get drunk off success and, and just not, <laughs> you know. But as I've also said when I'm defending other players, you know, um, salary cap continues to go up and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you do have room, but I, I don't know, man. I also have a hard time thinking that Zeke has better numbers than Tony Pollard. If 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 we're do if a fifty fifty workload were to commence, well, and then also too, if if we're talking about my hypothetical of like an NFC Championship game appearance, 
the running game probably worked so well that you're not going to be able to bring them both back anyway. So it's going to be one or the other. After seeing what the NFC is last year and seeing how open it could be and a team like San Francisco who knocked you out with Jimmy Garoppolo could go win the whole thing, you know, it is foolish to not do everything you can do to go all in. I mean, I, 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 I hope it, we are not relegated to, well, we're clearly running the ball better by a two-yard average with Tony in the game, and we're back to 50%. Yeah. Work on well no, at that point it needs to be sixty forty or seventy thirty. I mean like we need to use up Tony Pollard. And I've got no interest in signing him, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not being a jerk here. Like this position, you have to be heartless when you run these franchises. You have to be. That's how Chandler Jones gets traded to the Cardinals. And is effective, by the way. Who knows? But like, we're not gonna pay that contract. We're gonna go ahead and get Tyree it back. Kill. Right? Yep. The way they – you have to be. You have to be. Uh, and right. the Cowboys have obviously been that way. Who has a better year? Because they could have uh, brought back Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper could, could still be here. Lyle Collins could still be here. Randy Gregory could still be here. So yeah. they haven't been shy about pulling the Band-Aid off. Let's go lightning around here, John. I'm going to just tell you questions based on – as we record this on May 31st. Lightning around. Who has a better year, Dorrance Armstrong or Sam Williams? Dorrance Armstrong, uh, veteran. He's kind of seen it all now at this point in his career. I think there's going to be some growing pains with Sam Williams, and then I just think Dorrance Armstrong is going to be on the field more. I think Sam Williams is going to have kind of a role as in these you know, third and long situations, speed rusher. I just feel like Dorrance has got more in his bag right now than Sam Williams probably does. Um if you if you switch the question, who's going to have a better NFL career? I'd say Sam Williams, though. Okay, I think Sam Williams has a higher upside. I should put it that way. Sorry. Who's a better year, Tyler Smith or Tyler Biotish? Damn, that's a really good one. That's really really good. Again, I'll I'll go because of the Dorrance Armstrong thing. I'm going to go with Biotish just because we're at the point now where you've had to see just about everything these teams got to throw at you. And I know it gets to a level where, hey, this is all, I'm at the point where this is all I can do. This is my physical ability. This is how I can play the game. I'm not going to be much better than this. I just think there's going to be growing pains with Tyler Smith, uh, whether it's left guard, left tackle, whatever. Um, and then the same as the other scenario, I also think Tyler Smith will have the better NFL career, but I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time. Who has a better year, Micah Parsons or Dak Prescott? Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons will show that last year wasn't just some like rookie – fluke thing and I think he'll again be right there with the TJ Watts and Aaron Donald if he wants to play still um Mac back in the day he'll be in the defensive player of the year conversation and I just think he's going to get even more opportunities to get after the quarterback and if those if those pass rush numbers go up even if in other areas drop down slightly that's what's going to be the big difference in it I mean look at TJ Watt like I, I missed I missed the Steelers making that deep playoff run and winning the Super Bowl or even doing anything last year. But when you have those high sack numbers, you know, those are impactful. And I do think that Micah Parsons will improve on, on, on those numbers from last year. So uh for yeah, as long as he stays healthy, I think it'll be I'll, I think it'll be Micah. I want to wrap up the episode with a quick conversation. I woke up Sunday morning with a text message from our own Kent Garrison uh showing us where the yacht was. Yeah, he had been on Vessel Finder <laughs> as he's been known to be and every, uh, the every Sunday I wake up and do that just <laughs> immediately go to Vessel Finder see where see where the Bravo Eugenia is 
reported. It says the Bravo Eugenia hanging out in Monaco. Now I am um, right now I he's off the say, coast of Italy, so taking it in on this uh, enjoying it on this cruise they're on. Yeah, and then obviously some pictures surfaced of Jerry with wearing some Nike Velcro ones and uh, <laughs> some sunglasses that to me looked like they were photoshopped on, but maybe they were just really <laughs> tightly fit. Um, but so I will admit that I am not a person who has ever seen an F1 race and I haven't seen the Netflix um, uh, series, but I am very uh, well aware of the buzz and the sport and know some of the names and all that stuff. Um, my friend on the Ben and Skin show, Christina Ray, is a huge F1 fan and she's a big uh, Checo fan and he won this week. And I know, Kent, you're really, John, are you into F1 at all? I'm really not. I mean, I watched some of that race. <laughs> And not, and not to say that this Monaco race is like the best example of it, but it just like, I don't know. There's like not really much passing. It's this not, road course. No it just, overtaking in Monaco. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, it's I not, it, it, I was it's not like, exciting. My, my in-law, my father-in-law was over and it was like, uh, you know, by proximity, he saw that it was on and he was like waiting for an overtake. I, I had to say to him, trust me, usually there's more action than in my, the streets are just too narrow. But yeah. It, it, yeah. And I mean, I went to the race. This is, this is at least, I don't know. Six, eight years ago, they do that Circuit of Americas. When F1 came down to Austin, I went to that with a friend. Again, it's it's a road course. That's not I'm a I'm a big racing fan, but I like more like of circular your circular track. Yeah, I like the super speedways. Okay. I like the I like, you know, like there's a better chance of me watching the Indy five hundred than that Monaco race, which I did. And there's not a ton of passing there like late, but there was at least some of that. I like seeing more passing and I like the super speedways a little bit more than I like the road courses, which generally like I feel like F1, there's more of that, but I totally get like the popularity of F1 and it just keeps growing and it's very high dollar. Like even like when I went to that race down in Austin, like, I mean, just the car companies that are involved with it, you know, and the Ferraris and things like that, Mercedes, like, I mean, it's the, it's the best of the best. There's no question about that. It's very high dollar. So it, and in heck, Monaco, you know, Jerry's got the yacht out there. Like it, all of that fits, you know, big money. Well, my friend Christina Ray, really huge into this, and she was explaining. Yeah, she went to a race me. recently, didn't she? Yeah, she went to uh, one in uh, in Italy. Okay, actually, yeah, yeah. she was in Italy. Yeah, um, so she um, was uh, talking, and she uh, again follows this very closely. And she was like, "I wonder if Jerry's interested in buying a team." And I was like, "What?" And she was like, "Well, Haas Motorsports was uh, part of their funding was from Russian oligarchs." So their funding had been cut out because F1 is basically banning all things Russia. Yeah, they kicked their, and I was one like, of their drivers out of F1. He was Russian. Yeah. yeah. And they, they like, obviously canceled the Russian F1 race and all that stuff. But Haas Motorsports lost some of their funding, uh, which their American team lost some of their funding. And I was like, okay, do we have any history of Jerry following F1? Two, would Jerry be interested in buying or part of a F1 team? Three... Would Jerry be interested in building a track up in uh, Frisco Ooh. where he owns a lot of land? That, All right. That, okay. My my first reaction, when I saw Jerry in Monaco, my first reaction was just, Jerry's at Monaco taking in the celeb scene. Absolutely. You know, Popping champagne, watch the race, place to be seen. You know, maybe he'll be on TV internationally. Great look. So it didn't even occur to me that he might be there scouting a team to invest in. And if he was, I don't think it would be Haas. They're so far back. They're the worst team, like uh, pretty much 
hands down right now when it comes to, you know, everything. So I think Jerry would like, if he was going to do that, I think he would wait. And like, I think Porsche is trying to make an entry in F1 here pretty soon. Like to me, a Jerry Jones branding wise, like he's going to put his name on a Mercedes or a Porsche or an Alfa Romeo uh, type of team. I don't think, I don't think Haas would be the, the uh, temptation is there for Haas uh, to get in F1. But he gets a lot of money from Ford. I don't know how they're going to feel about all this, but go on. Maybe you can get Ford in F1 again. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, but the track thing is interesting, KT. That's really I mean, interesting. The problem with the track, be. though, is unlike, you know, the Ford Center or AT&T Stadium, what are you doing when there's not a race? You know, that's the problem with, with those things. you got to do a lot of stuff there, you know, to try and keep it up, to bring things out there, to make it interesting, because what are you getting, one race a year? I mean, there's, there's just a lot of money in involved. Texas, too. There's already, I mean. Right. It's not like Texas needs a track. There's already one here. I think he's. I think he was out there just because this is the time of year when Jerry does take the yacht out that way, and he does hang out with celebrities, and that it was so, a celebrity-to-be-seen event. The other thing is he has plenty to worry about with fixing the Dallas Cowboys. For him to be like, if he was to invest in one of these teams, it would be like the way I think LeBron's invested in like Liverpool or something like that, where it'd be like, yeah, I have a small percentage or something like that, but like— right. I don't he's see Jerry be being like all of a sudden decisions. like, yeah, we don't see him at the star very much because, you know, he's been hanging out with Lewis Hamilton. Like, I just I, I just can't see Man. that him doing that. And if he was going to, I think he would have done it in previous years. I just think of the stages right. where he is in his life, 26 years without getting back to a Super Bowl. I think Jerry would love for the story to be that, yeah, we went 26 years without getting a Super Bowl. Look how great it was at the beginning of my ownership, and then look at what it was towards the end of my ownership. And we got back to winning big games. I think – his more of his interest is in getting the Cowboys right as opposed to taking on a bunch of other things where he's going to be heavily involved. There's been so many opportunities over the years. Jerry's talked about it, been interviewed about it to get into NASCAR, IndyCar, buy an MLS team, all this, all this stuff. And he's really just hasn't been interested. So it would take something super tempting for him to think, put his money in there. But Jerry, I got something for you. You ever heard of NFTs? Oh, <laughs> blockchain com. Blockchain he has com. heard of blockchain com for sure. Did I, I would have loved to have been in the room of uh, having to explain to Jerry what that was. <laughs> but honestly, I wouldn't have known. I mean, I would have tried. Knows, but do you think like if walked up on to him on the street, he could tell you? I don't like, think hey, he give you a check. really good yeah, definition. I get, no. I get that. I don't think as long as did. it uh, it doesn't bounce, I'm good. <laughs> I just know it's very valuable now, <laughs> and it's in. And it where do is. we get those Velcro Jordans? By the way, I need some of those, dude. Are those already out, for Jerry, because he's like eighty. The Air those Jones. are pretty sweet. <laughs> those are pretty Only sweet, Jerry, man. Rocking the untucked. He's wearing some nice pants too. He's going with some golf untucked pants. Button up, yeah, man. Yeah, swag, man, loose fitting. You know what is interesting about that is that he goes to that, and you see him at things like that, but like. Never see him at a Rangers game. Never at a Stars game. Yeah. Never at a Mavericks game. And he clearly, the family has those. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, the family's got those four seats right right next to the visitor's bench. Yeah. But he never, I've seen Steven there. Never. Jerry, never. But then again, I've never seen Mark Cuban at a Cowboys game, you know? So it's just funny, like, when you see him at other sporting events, because it's like, I don't know, the, the, the local teams, like, when I moved down here in 10, like 10 and 11, you know, the, but probably been a decent time to go to some Rangers games. 11, probably be a decent time to maybe catch some Mavs games, you know? But, like, you never see him Jerry's at anything other than that. Jerry's bigger deal than 
any of those, like the Dallas Stars or Rangers, you know, like he walks into that place and the place would like erupt with like booze or chant. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's and not you don't just think- like any dude going, or any owner going to support the local team, you know? And what, what part of that do you think he doesn't like? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, <you> also, <laughs> it you sounds like that's, your- <laughs> his, that's his favorite scenario. Well, you I, guess, I think talk he's doing about it out of respect sports. for the other owners. Like, I'm yeah. not going to come to crash your games. Yeah. And make that the I don't story. Know, like, Jerry's at, at the game and he's up in the booth and he's getting heckled or, you know, whatever it is. Well, they could, well, they like, could just. such a big presence. They could let him play. I mean, they dress Romo. Oh. All right. There's the ender. Man. What? <laughs> that is the, one of the weirdest things to happen. It really, it really is unnecessary that that happened. <laughs> it really is. It's There's just too many memes that came from it. You know what I need to work on is getting down to the like basis that. of like who made the first call on that. I've I've pitched this to Cato before, and he maybe maybe announced the offseason we'll do this, but I want to know how the hell that happened. <laughs> you know, maybe no, John, I don't. I, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't care about. I don't even care about how it happened. I want to know who made the first call. Right? Is yeah. this Tony calling them, or is this going like? <laughs> is this Mark Cuban going? You know, Tony, I, I hate the way that like you know your career ended and stuff like that. Like you're beloved in this city like let's give you like one last hurrah type thing i would think that it would go down more like that than tony being like hey mark, oh yeah it was mark Cuban let me get on the court up. yeah okay well things that were going wanted him to get to get into the game but the nba wouldn't allow it yeah the mavericks were at a point where they could <laughs> use some buzz too that's what all Honestly. nba teams that are that's true. That's you know point. 20 games under 500 they're clearly out of it just throw a, throw a celeb in the lineup for Gosh, a quarter. That, that picture though, that he's every game. Doesn't that hurt the brand though? If you become that, like, I don't know. I think I I'd mean, rather I be known for does, winning but... championships. But okay. <laughs> oh, you're trying hey, to get me to go to the game. I mean, I just, you know what I'm saying though. There's everything. there's something you can. It's like you can get away with a lot of the gimmick stuff at minor league baseball. You know, because it's not like the big leagues and it's like, hey, yeah, these are guys that are working to try and get up there. You know, it's it's not the the biggest eight. I don't know. Like, I just I, I doing that all the, the time. It's not a good look for those. Leagues. I want to see the Mavs uh, put Mavs man in the lineup. At six foot three oh from the Spalding God. factory. He's literally a basketball. So they put, Mavs are they putting man. a trampoline out there, too? Yeah. I mean, when he play, I, I mean, like, Mavs man. <laughs> What is he going to do? I, I like just want to see a photo of Mavs Man playing I, a guy that's literally a basketball in an NBA game. That would be amazing. <laughs> you, there's like a real story. Like Mavs Man was an actual like prospect that never made it. And it's there's like absolutely no chance. No, that, I'm serious. Wait, it's a great. It's like a. It's like a sad. Like a, they need to make a. They, if it was Oscar anybody of note, the dude that it, plays Mavs Man. If it was any college basketball player of note, that story would already be out there. For any team, if their mascot was like this former player who was like, "Oh man, hey, that's God Sham God. Remember him in college? No, yeah, he's, he's our mascot is. now." I'm like, serious. Okay, that's well, called I, the Big Three. I'd like to know. Yes, exactly. Hey, did you guys know that Catino Mobley is our mascot now? I mean, come on, now there people would know who that person is if yeah. that was the case. I would hope. So, when do you guys think we'll reconvene? Um, more of an off-air discussion. I'm gonna do All a right, little we'll vacationing next week, so let me get back. All to right, you. <laughs> all right. The Mavs well, it's, it is. Was Byron Thomas? All right, he was, he was a uh, basketball player. Check that out. 
I will. Looks like his wife is on Basketball Wives. So well, while you're at good. it, go check out the mascot slam dunk contest from 1999, where the Suns gorilla just bricks the first one. It's amazing. 1999, you said? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, th- I was very loose when I threw out the year there. But there's you just look NBA mascot slam dunk contest. You can't miss it. Okay, I'll check it out. It's good stuff. Y'all, oh, you won't see Rowdy knocking down 50-yard field goals. These mascots are dunking. Um, all right, guys. Uh, make Go sure ahead. that you're following uh, Father John Machota and uh, all the stuff that he's got. He's got uh, a few articles up the last uh, weeks that are good, uh, especially one 10 play- uh, Cowboys who need to step up uh, for a better year in 2022. Maybe that's one you should check out, amongst others, for our producer, Kent Garrison, as well. I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. Austin Powers.